Let's pray. Father, as we come now to open Your Word, to read it together, to hear it proclaimed this day, we ask that You would help us to understand by way of Your Holy Spirit. Lord, as we see the beginning of Ahab's reign and Elijah's ministry, and these two men will be intertwined throughout the rest of their lives, we pray, O Lord, that You would Bless us with that understanding we need. O oh Lord, bless the reading, hearing, and preaching of your word. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you're able to remain standing, please do so. Take your copies of God's word and turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 16. First Kings 16, we'll begin at verse 29, we'll read through verse 6 of chapter 17. Hear now the word of God, it is infallible, it is inerrant, it is God speaking to us, so let us pay close attention. In the 38th year of Asa king of Judah, Ahab the son of Amri began to reign over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Amri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. And Ahab, the son of Amri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. And as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, he took for his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbel, king of the Sidonians. And went and served Baal and worshipped him. He erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. And Ahab made an Asherah. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. In his days, Hiel of Bethel built Jericho. He laid its foundation at the cost of Abiram, his firstborn, and set up its gates at the cost of his youngest son, Sagab, according to the word of the Lord which he spoke by Joshua, the son of Nun. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, Depart from here and turn eastward, and hide yourself by the brook Kareth, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, he went and lived by the brook Kareth, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. When we left last Sunday, we probably thought that it could not get any worse in Israel. 
We looked at three bad kings of the northern kingdom of Israel. We saw Elah the drunk. Now God brought judgment against him. Zimri the murderer, and how he only reigned seven days, and he himself then killed himself as he saw Amri and his army. Amri being the, the, the father to Ahab, and we said last week of him that he was the epitome of evil. He had done more evil than any king before him. And so how could things get worse? Well, Ahab is how. Ahab outdoes his father. In verse 29, we hear of the beginning of Ahab's reign. Now notice, it's in the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah. It's been a, a little while since we heard of Asa, the king of Judah. You remember Asa, the, the reforming king of Judah. He, he, he brought back the true worship of Jehovah. And now he's been reigning 38 years. And, and in the, the short time span, we are now on the, the fourth king of Israel, the northern kingdom. It reminds us of the truth of Scripture. When the, the righteous rule, the people flourish. But when the wicked rule, the people perish. <clears throat> so Ahab comes on the scene. He reigns a, a good long while, 22 years in Samaria. But he is more wicked than any king before him. When we think of the most wicked king of Israel, we usually think of Ahab. But we're also introduced to another man. We know this man well. He's one of the greatest prophets of Israel, and that is Elijah. What we'll see is that Elijah, the prophet of God, was the thorn in Ahab's side. He would come again and again and confront Ahab with the word of God. Now the rest of 1 Kings we will see and hear of some of the great feats of this prophet Elijah. And his faithfulness to his God. He was a, a great prophet. He was a man of prayer. He was a man of great faith. But he's also an example to us. As we emulate his faith, his obedience, and his prayer. It's not out of reach for any one of us here this morning. And so as we begin looking at this king and this mighty prophet of God, there are only two things I want us to, to notice this morning. The first we've already mentioned, and, and we see it in the first part of our text, and that is the, the wickedness of Ahab. Again, he was the worst of all the kings of Israel. Ahab was so wicked that he considered the sins of his fathers to be a little more than trivialities. Notice verse 30. And Ahab the son of Amri did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who walked before him. Now that's saying something. We think of Jeroboam, the first king of, of the northern kingdom, and, and his evil, his wickedness, his idolatry, uh, we think of the three we heard of last week, and then Amri, and now Ahab, and sin was nothing to this man. His conscience was seared. 
against any sorrow for sin. We have in this man an example of what happens when a man is left in that natural state that he's in. What is that natural state? We are born sinners, every one of us. And, and if God leaves us in that state, God has a right to leave us there. He, he's under no obligation to save any of us, to redeem any of us. And if He leaves a man in there, then his conscience becomes more and more seared. And we see this with Ahab. And, and his wickedness outdoes all the rest. Ahab was so wicked that he married a, a wicked woman. And this woman's name is very familiar to us, Jezebel. In verse 31, And as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat, he took for his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbel, king of the Sidonians, and went and served Bel and worshipped him. You know, there's a saying, behind every good man is a good woman. The reverse is also true. At least in this case. Behind this evil, wicked man was this evil, wicked woman. They were equally yoked. They deserved one another. We will see and hear of her wickedness later. But Ahab was a, a schemer. He married Jezebel, the, the daughter of the king of the Sidonians. And it was a, a political move. It established a relationship between Israel and, and Sidon. But it was also an alliance between Israel and the false god of Baal. The third way we see Ahab being wicked is that he wanted to become, and he did become, a worshiper of Baal. Verse 32, he erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. And Ahab made an Asherah. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord the God of Israel, to anger than all of the kings of Israel who were before him. Now, Baal and Asherah, they were the gods. Uh, Baal was the god of rain. Asherah, the goddess of fortune. And so what does King Ahab do? Well, he builds an altar and a sacred pole for these two false gods. Now, what happens? Well, the people of Israel, they, they do as the king does. They see him worshiping this false god, and they then worship this false god. And, and, and so Ahab and Jezebel, they, they worshiped these gods. They probably even enjoyed the, the temple prostitution that made Bel and Asherah so popular in Canaan. But then we see that Ahab was so wicked that he begat wickedness and evil in his kingdom. Ahab ruled over an immoral kingdom. And we hear of that in verse 34. In his days, Hiel of Bethel built Jericho. He laid its foundation at the cost of Abiram, his firstborn, and set up its gates at the cost of his youngest son, Sagub, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Joshua, the son of Nun. 
Since the days of Joshua, no one dared to rebuild Jericho. Here's this wicked king, under him are wicked men. And this one man, he decides to defy God. He decides that he's going to rebuild it. And what happened? His two sons died. Now there's some speculation that the death of these two sons were actually sacrifices that he made to the false gods of Baal and Asherah. Others say it was judgment from God. But either way, we see the wickedness in Israel that a man dare do what God says should never be done again. Rebuild Jericho at the cost of the sons. Hiel put his own ambitions ahead of his family and the deadly consequences for him. And so we hear of Ahab. Now we hear of another man, Elijah. And the second thing we hear about in our text is, is Elijah's God. Now understand, Elijah lived in an evil day. And so do we. There's nothing you under the sun. As long as there are sinners in this world, there's going to be evil. There's going to be wickedness. And so Elijah just kind of shows up here in 1 Kings 17. Now, now we know Elijah has been praying and, and, and praying with God for about six months when he now comes to Ahab. And he just kind of appears. Ahab is doing his thing. Ahab is worshiping his gods. And then one day we find Elijah uh, from Gilead coming and he says this to Ahab. As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. Now, Elijah knew and worshipped the same God that we know and worship. And first of all, he reminds Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives. The Lord means Yahweh or Jehovah, the name above every name, that special name for God given to Moses at the burning bush. Uh, this Lord was Elijah's God. He is our God. Elijah's name means my God is the Lord. And so the Lord lives. How appropriate to be reminded of that today. Our Lord lives. He we're reminded of that every Lord's Day as we come and celebrate the resurrection. Every Lord's Day is Resurrection Sunday, not just today. And, and we're reminded our Lord lives. Yes, He died on the cross, but now He lives. He rose again on the third day for our justification, said Paul. Elijah reminds Ahab, Jehovah lives. Not only that, but He is the God of Israel. It is this God who, who made a covenant with his people, the God who is really the God of Israel, even if Ahab was trying to forget that. The God of Israel is a living Lord, a living God. And so this opening word of Elijah to Ahab is a, a stinging rebuke to Ahab and the false gods he, he worshipped. Ahab's whole life was a denial that God lives. There are many today, their whole life is a denial that God lives. They think they can get away with anything. 
Now Elijah is saying to Ahab, Ahab, my God is real, yours is not. Baal is not a God who lives. Now, now understand, Baal could not, was not considered a, a living God even by people who believed in him. According to their own theology, Baal was alive during the rainy season, but dead during the dry season. And so this is their God that they worship. This was the God that Ahab worshipped. So Elijah stands before Ahab and he says, Oh, by the way, my God, the living God, is going to cause it not to rain for three years. Let's see how your God does. After all, Baal is the God of rain. Surely he could bring rain. See, Elijah's God, our God, is living, the living Lord, the living God in both the dry and the rainy season. And so Elijah comes and he speaks this word. And he tells them there will be neither dew nor rain these three years except by my word. And so there comes this drought. And this drought in Elijah's day was not simply a random natural disaster. It was judgment from God. It was punishment on his people for their idolatry. According to God's law, drought was the proper punishment for a pagan Idolatry. The Israelites trusted in the so-called God of rain. Therefore, the true and living God decreed that there will be no rain on them. A specific curse that directly addressed Baal's claim to be the rainmaker. Now later, we're going to see another contest between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And it will be very amusing. You're familiar with that account. And we will see again Baal being impotent, powerless before the living God. And so God kept his word. In chapter 18, we'll see this wicked King Ahab wandering around in the wilderness looking for grass for his donkeys, but there is none. And so God will keep his word to Ahab, but God also has a word for Elijah, immediately God tells Elijah, I want you to go away from here. Leave. Go eastward. Hide yourself by the brook Kareth, which is east of the Jordan. Why? Why does God tell him to go hide? Because Ahab wants to kill him. Jezebel wants to kill him. It will not be the first time. And God is protecting his prophets. Elijah has much more to say to this wicked king. And so God sends Elijah east to get away from Ahab to protect him. God tells Elijah, Elijah, you will drink from the brook. Now understand, there's a drought. And God says, Elijah, you'll have water. You've got plenty of water. There's a drought, but God said to Elijah, Elijah, don't worry about food. The ravens will come and feed you. And Elijah had water. The ravens fed Elijah. And so the living and speaking God cares for his people. When the dew dried up, when the rain 
clouds disappeared. Elijah did not just shrivel up and blow away. God protected him. Now, now we read of what God provided and we think, well, that's not very much. But God is giving to Elijah in a day of drought a feast. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. God provided Elijah not only by extraordinary means, but with extraordinary abundance. You know, all the prophet needed was a little bread and a little water each day, but no, God said, you're getting more than that. Morning and evening. Meat and water. God gave Elijah as much water as he cared to drink bread and meat twice a day. Now we hear that and our minds go where? It goes back to the wilderness. And Elijah's in the wilderness, isn't he? He's, he's in the wilderness. But we go back to the wilderness. After God brought the Israelites out of Egypt, he gave them manna in the morning and quail in the evening. The people of God ate bread once a day and meat once a day. And you know what? That still wasn't enough. They still complained. But Elijah was given a double portion of bread and meat daily. And so what is God doing? He's honoring his prophet. He's showing his prophet double honor. And that's very generous of God. Elijah's only preached one sermon. It was one sentence. But God honors him. God takes care of him. God will continue to take care of him. Even when Ahab and Jezebel come and they are trying to take his life. Now, what application can we make? Well, we need to understand that we too live in an evil day as Elijah lived in an evil day. There's nothing you under the sun. Now I think some of us may be surprised with the level and quickness of wickedness we have seen over the last 10, 20 years. This is a day when secular and spiritual leaders, they, they trust in their own schemes rather than God's instructions for the health of the nation or of the growth of the church. This is a day when people bow down before their idols instead of worshiping the one true and living God. This is a day where some think, well, if I go to church today, then I, 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 it might mean something to God, but I, I'm not going to see Him the rest of the year. Again, we're in an evil day. We see wickedness all around us. We see idolatry all around us. And so we have Elijah as an example. What did Elijah do? In the midst of his evil day, God told him to do something. And, and did he doubt God? Did he say, no, Lord, I'm not going to go live by a brook and you feed me with my ravens? No, he obeyed. Elijah did what the Lord commanded him. He went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Kareth that is east 
of the Jordan. And so Elijah is an example to us of obedience to the living God. He was trusting God for his daily bread. Jesus tells us to pray for that. Give us this day our daily bread. We we are to trust our God uh, in, in, in his provision for us. Why? Because he is the God who provides. Now, right now, we have an abundance as a people. We're going to feast in a little while. And let me encourage you to stay and feast with us. But what if the day comes to us where we can't feast? What if the day comes where we no longer have an abundance? What will we do? Will we be like Elijah? And obey God and trust Him? Even if He sends us out to a brook in the middle of a great drought? And trust that He will provide for us. Elijah is an example of obedience to God in in, in an evil day. But then third, understand this. We worship the same God today as Elijah. We worship the same Lord. There are many today who are saying, you Christians, you are just... How can you believe in the resurrection? How can you believe that your so-called Lord and God rose on the third day after being crucified? Well, we know and believe it because God's Word tells us. But there are many today that they doubt that there is one God. They are worshiping their bells, their Asherah. They are worshiping the false gods of this world. But we worship and serve the one true and living God. God. The God who provides for His people. God provides for us. Many times we doubt that provision. Now about 17 years ago, I was doubting that provision. I was without a call. I was going through the process of finding one. I was given a a severance package that wasn't agreeable to me, but I had to take it. And so as I was searching and searching, things would come up. Things would go by the wayside. When I thought I had one, God in His providence killed the former pastor in Haiti. And then that went away. And then God brought me here. and, And understand... All of that money was gone 17 years ago. We had nothing. And God sent us here and provided at the right time. That is the God that provides. He is the same God who protects His people. As He protected Elijah, He protects His people, this is the God that we worship. This is the living and true God. And this is the God that sent His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? To save His people from their sins. To die on the cross for their sins. Not His. He had no sin. 
But He died on the cross for our sins. He did that which the Father commanded Him. He was obedient to the Father, even to the point of death. And now, the Lord Jesus Christ is what? He is highly exalted. He is exalted in His church. He is the name above every name. One day, every man will exalt the Lord. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. And while we will see evil king after evil king, Ahab taking the cake of all the kings of Israel, we should be grateful that our king is perfect in his obedience to God. And so as we hear of Christ this morning, what are we to do? We are to turn to the living Christ and believe in Him. We are to turn from our sins and trust in Him for our salvation. And then He becomes the God who provides. The God who protects. The living God of our lives. And so if you're without Christ, and I would exhort you this morning to to see your sin and your need of Christ and turn from your sin and turn to Jesus. Come to Him in faith. Come to Him this morning recognizing that without Christ you have no no salvation. That that you are at enmity with God. that, That you are at war with God. A war, by the way, that you will lose. And come to Christ. The one who is King of kings and Lord of lords. And cry out to Him for salvation as you turn from your sin. And it does not matter how wicked you are this morning. If you do that in faith, Christ will save you. If Ahab, with all of his wickedness, would have turned to Jehovah in faith, all of his sins would have been forgiven. That is the God we worship. That is the God who lives. A God of grace and mercy to all who will come to His Son in faith and repentance. And God add His blessing to the reading, hearing, and preaching of His Word. Let's pray. Father, we thank You this morning for Your Word. And as we see this wicked King Ahab, Father, may we understand Apart from your grace, that could be us. And oh Lord, I pray for your grace and your mercy to be showered down upon us this day. Forgive us for our many sins. And oh Lord, if there are any here today that that is without Christ, I would pray even now that your Holy Spirit would would begin to stir in their hearts. That you would change their hearts, Father. That you would... Show them their their need of Christ and bring them to Christ. We thank You that You, the true and living God, You have revealed Yourself to us through the pages of Scripture. And that You are not silent, but that You live. You know, God, may we be like Elijah. In the midst of our evil day, may we be obedient to Your commandments. May we have great faith and trust in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.